He's such an ass. Pratt. Toad. Clock pole. Dollop head. Cabbage head. Turnip head. Merlin. Yes. Shut up. Idiot. Complete Pratt. Total buffoon. Wimp. You really are a complete idiot, aren't you, Merlin? Hello, and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast. I'm Sarah Ifschecker. And I'm Oliver Brady. And on this podcast, that's right, I've said podcast already and even told Sarah I wouldn't say it that often. <laughs> but this podcast, we discuss books, uh, TV, movies um, that are set in the medieval world. We're going to look at both historical fiction and medievalesque fantasy. And we're going to discuss what they get right and what they get wrong. And what to tell us about how modern people think about the medieval past. Dr. Decker, why are we doing this podcast? Well, I wanted to do this podcast because I am professionally a medieval historian. I uh, teach medieval history at the university level. Um, I'm writing a book, all that good stuff. And I'm interested in how it gets the medieval world gets depicted in popular culture because that's what my students come into the classroom with and basically why they have all of these ideas about the Middle Ages that tend to be wrong. Um, and Ollie, why did you want to do this podcast with me? Because I like dudes with swords who stab people with them. And I wanted to talk about all of these things that involve stabbing people with swords. Well, there is occasional stabbing. There is occasional Does stabbing it... in our focus for today. Oh, for focus for the day, there's a ton of stabbing going on in this. Mostly it's like off screen. You don't get to see like the blood and stuff, um, which, you know, obviously disappoints me. But... This show makes up for it in more ways. Sarah, what are we doing today? So today we are doing our first non-movie. We are doing a TV show. We are doing the TV show Merlin, which was on BBC from 2008 to 2012. Yeah. Now I have to, at this point, reveal something which has been hidden this entire time. Ooh. Is that I'm not American. I am yes! from, <laughs> from Ireland. Um, and I grew up with BBC and uh, the British Broadcasting Company and um, I would have had the chance to watch Merlin back when it was being shown like on Saturday night and never watched it because I genuinely thought it looked shit. That is that is what 2008 to 2012 Ollie thought. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to spoil a little bit like the uh, the end of our podcast. I fucking love this show. I also loved Merlin, spoiler, for the end of the podcast. And although I could not have watched this when it was on TV, I did have a standing offer to watch Merlin with my graduate school colleagues and friends who at some point started watching Merlin, and I thought it looked ridiculous and refused to watch with them. So, yeah. But it, it, that's the thing is, right? Now, for, for those of you who are listening who've never seen Merlin, right? We're going to spoil the shit out of it. But, uh, you know what? We're going to try our best not to overtly spoil are it. We? But we are going to go... Well, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah, we're going to spoil it, right? <laughs> but we're going to go through it in each of the seasons and talk about major characters to get involved. And we might, you know, ruin who the bad guy is in season three and stuff like this, right? Um, we'll try not to ruin the last episode. Yeah, that seems fair. But... But everything else is going to be on the table. So if you haven't seen it and you're thinking of watching it, you should probably turn off this episode now. But for everyone else who has seen it, the trailers for this TV show were ridiculous. <laughs> and made it look like it was something aimed at three-year-olds. 
the intro also kind of makes it seem like it's aimed at three-year-olds. Ah, uh, the intro. <laughs> I miss it. I mean, clearly uh, at this point, I assume we're going to be including a clip of the intro of Merlin. Round, a roundabout here, we're going to have an intro. We might even play the entire intro. <laughs> No young man, no matter how great, can know his destiny. He cannot glimpse his part in the great story that is about to unfold. Like everyone, he must live and learn. And so it will be for the young warlock arriving at the gates of Camelot. A boy that will in time father a legend. His name, Merlin. I definitely think we're going to play the entire voiceover because I love it. It's fantastic. It's so much like <laughs> one young boy. And by the time he gets to season five, one young man. <laughs> it's something rests on the shoulders of a young boy. <laughs> um, John Hurt is in every episode because he does the voiceover, guys. John Hurt is the best thing in this TV show, except for the one episode in season two. When Charles Dance is in it, and he's the best thing in it there. He is. So, he's, he's Charles Dance. Yeah. So, in case you were wondering, uh, John Hurt is one of very, very few actors in this show that anyone has ever heard of. Correct. <laughs> so, the uh, only other one that I had heard of before starting to watch Merlin was that I was super excited when Uther Pendragon turned out to be Anthony Stewart Head, a.k.a. Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Giles! I love you, Giles! Except I hate you yeah. and your Uther. Uh, yeah, I hate him. Uh, guys, if you want to turn yourself against Giles, watch this TV show. What a cock. I'm actually re-watching Buffy and I feel like I love Giles less and it's because of <laughs> having seen him as Uther. I've loved Giles since he was trying to sell me Maxwell House. Back, back, back in, in the, the day. Uh, back in the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> um, then we also have Katie McGrath who's playing Morgana. Uh, Katie McGrath. McGrath? Oh, Katie McGrath. Beautiful, beautiful Irish actress. Looks like a, an even prettier version of Keira Knightley, especially if you're like me and don't like Keira Knightley. Um, and she was in King Arthur Legend of the Sword where she died. She was also in Jurassic World where she died. And Brutally. spoiler alert, she might die in this. Yeah. Or, or does she? But yeah. In case anyone's wondering, by the way, in Jurassic World, if you remember that like assistant who basically gets the most brutal death in the film because she has the nerve to not like children, that's Morgana. Yeah, she doesn't like children. Mm. What a horrible human being. Other than that there, all of the other actors are just, well, sorry, 
to me they're randomers, but I have been told that the young man who plays Merlin himself, Colin Morgan. Mm-hmm. I forgot Merlin's name for a second. <laughs> like, it's the name of the TV show. Um, <laughs> that Colin Morgan has a huge following among the ladies. Really? This is what I've been told. Uh, our friend Megan Griffin, I believe we've both been on a podcast. Yes, here. we have. Uh, she is in love with Colin Morgan. That's not the actor that I would guess would have a cult following from uh, no, from this show. No way. Not in an actor, with, not in a TV show that has sexy, sexy Gwen in it. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, Percival, the man with the biggest arms in the world. Which you can always see because he has white beater chain mail. <laughs> Guys, we're going to get to this. I can't, <laughs> we will. We're getting it's there. The, it's, it's like the first thing that I popped up. Was, he pops up on screen. I was like, Sarah, does that does this guy have a wife beater chainmail on? Because <laughs> he, he has to show those guns, no matter what the situation. Yep, despite the fact that that makes it completely impractical as chainmail. That is true, and he uh, he is played by the actor who was Sam's brother on uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's he right. Got burned in the fire. Yeah, he got burned by a dragon. Poor oh. dude. No. But we're going to get into the TV show. We're going to start running through the main characters and then we're going to run through what happens in each of the seasons. So I said, if you want to avoid pretty much massive spoilers and everything that goes down, uh, I would suggest moving on at this point and then coming back to listen to us later on while we talk about how there is just some crazy shit that goes on. After um, you have binge watched five seasons of Berlin, come back to us. <laughs> binge watch all five seasons because I, listen, we went through them really quick. We did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was, I yeah. really enjoyed watching them. I think. Um, so we're going to our first section where we do our reviews and this is Enumeratio. God, I, I, can't, I love doing that. I'm so it's the best part delighted. of the podcast. I'm so delighted we haven't got a replacement for that yet, Sarah. And never will. Decker. Come on, (laughs) Dr. Decker. Get us a Gregorian chant person to do it. I should just make my graduate student do it. Yes, that's a perfect idea. Um, I bet he's a good singer. Um, So our main character is Marilyn. And Marilyn is a warlock. But oh no, Uther Pendragon has outlawed magic. Uther Pendragon is currently the king of Camelot. And Merlin's mom, um, despite the fact that she knows he's got magic, sends him to Camelot to live and says, go hook up with my old friend Gaius. Um, Now, at this point, even in the very first episode, both myself and Sarah at the same time pretty much said, betcha Gaius is his dad. (laughs) We definitely did. (laughs) Because the way she's the way he's like, oh, my mom told me I should look look to you because you and her were very close, guys. And guys was like, oh, yeah, let's just call her Peggy. Peggy. Yeah, I remember that. She was nice. Tell your mom I said hi. Like there's definitely some some filth going on there in the past. Oh, they absolutely slept together. I will not be convinced they didn't sleep together. Did definitely after well we'll 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 talk about it we'll when get we get there. to it but I'm um, I'm almost certain this is also it definitely happened. Um, Gaius, who is the court physician, but also his main job appears to be giving drugs to women and having yeah. them sleep, yeah. like another famous doctor, A. Huxtable, um, <laughs> and eventually, uh, sorry, and in the first episode, Marilyn reveals to him 
that he's a magician. Um, by You're a wizard, Merlin. Out... Yeah, yeah, he might as well say that. <laughs> um, by carrying out magic. Um, then we meet Arthur, um, who is going to be Merlin's best friend. But... Possibly even only friend. Um, no, he doesn't. He makes friends with Gwen. Yeah. He makes friends with Lance a lot. And he's probably a Percival's friend. Yeah, actually, you know what? Marilyn, you would love friends. Why did you even put up with Arthur at all? I know. He and, and he and Gwen are friends. He's friends with Morgana for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's good friends with Morgana. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he meets Arthur. Arthur's a massive cock and is basically bullying him for not looking like a big muscular dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like, Apparently, Arthur has to be a petulant fool. Um, and this is where Sarah coined um, our phrase or our hashtag, let him die. It is. Um, as soon as Arthur came on the screen. <laughs> quite literally, within seconds, like, oh, hashtag, let him die. So going, yeah, let's run with this. <laughs> yeah. And then we kept going so, and the rest is history. And the rest is history. And that's where the podcast came from. We almost called the podcast media evil hashtag, let him die. Um, but... He gets to know Arthur and eventually he becomes his manservant. And he also discovers that there's a great big fucking dragon living under the castle. Yeah, inexplicably the cat there's just a dragon living in the basement that no one seems to know is there. Is it ever explained why he's there or why he's being chained up and how it turns out Uther has managed to do this. I mean, at some point it's implied that Uther is the one who chained him up. It's never explained mm. how. And there's also no indication that Uther remembers he's still there. Yeah, Uther is never... Uh, does Uther ever go down? No, Gaius no. goes down at one stage. Um, Uther never goes down. But the other thing about it is the dragon is literally all-powerful in this yeah. TV show. He sees everything, he knows everything, and he can pretty much defeat an entire army on his own. Yeah. Um. The only time later on, we're, well, we'll not spoil it now, we'll spoil it in about 10 <laughs> minutes, but uh, the only time he doesn't get his own way is when he gets told what to do by Merlin. But other than that there, like nothing has ever hurt him, nothing has ever slowed him down. So how does he end up chained? That's what I want to find out. That's a good question. Another good question actually that just occurred to me is how is the castle structurally sound if there's just a giant cave under it? Yeah, you guys have no idea how big this cave is. The answer, super fucking big. I mean, large enough to fit a dragon that can wipe out an entire army. <laughs> but having said that, how can Nocturnal Alley and London exist with Gringotts and its massive vault underneath it. That is a good question. I guess it's uh, magic. Maybe it's magic. I think it's just magic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Except Uther's banned magic, so it can't exactly. work. <laughs> I guess I set it so, up before he banned magic. We also meet Morgana, um, Uther's ward, and her servant Guinevere, played by two incredibly attractive young actresses, uh, Katie McGrath, and I've forgotten what Gwen's name is. I want to say Angel Colby. That's it, yeah. Angel Colby. And uh, she's great. Uh, and she, she does now a detective show on BBC. And oh, she's really nice. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. she's legit pretty good. Yeah, she's a good actress. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that she went on to do new stuff. Yeah, good for uh, her. Because it would be easy for her to get kind of passed over. Yeah. 
but she doesn't. Um, and then we also meet Uther, played by Giles, and he is also an absolute dick. Yeah. So like father, like son. Yeah. So we very quickly got the let him die in for both father and son because oh, they're really both quickly. the worst. Yeah. And anytime they're on screen after that, it's pretty much let them die mm-hmm. because one or the other is being a dick in every single scene they're in. Yep. This is one thing I would say. If you start watching this show and you think to yourself, Arthur is a bit of an idiot. Uther is a really horrible person. And think to yourself that they're going to get better and grow over time. Nope. No. They're they're not. They try to pretend Arthur does, but it's kind of bullshit. Uh, yeah, they tr- they pretend he does right near the end. Yeah. Because they want us to feel like he's he's had his story arc or whatever, but it no. does not work. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. Uh. So that's pretty much our main cast of characters. We have Morgana, Gwen, Arthur, Marilyn. The dragon and Uther and, and Gaius. everybody else and Gaius and everybody else around that is um oh god yeah we should actually mention Gaius uh Gaius is played by um the actor who played Victor Mildrew in One Foot in the Grave which is like one of the longest running sitcoms of all time so for European listeners uh British listeners in particular of course you know who Richard Wilson is um but Sarah I don't think I'd ever seen him in anything no so that's why that's why we we said that he he's not really a known actor, but yeah, like it, it's Richard Wilson, and we all know we all know Victor Miltro. I don't believe it, and he's basically playing that character only. He's a court physician, mm-hmm. so he right. gives women so, so many drugs. So every episode, guys, he's drugging a woman. It is creepy as hell. Oh, I can't sleep. Um, oh, here are some more drugs for you, my dear. <laughs> so we're going to run through highlights for each of the seasons and we're going to start with season one so Sarah uh, they're not even necessarily highlights they're just thoughts that we've had as we were going through yeah so what is uh, what what's the first thing that jumped out of it to you about season one so season one very quickly I would say establishes that the main kind of plot for um, the kind of rest of the series is that so Merlin goes and finds the the dragon in the basement and tells the dragon in the basement, Arthur's a fucking dick. And the dragon tells mm-hmm. him, no, it is your destiny to save Arthur and to bring his kingship about. And he will save Camelot and reestablish magic or something great like that. Yeah. Um, so then we spend the rest of the season and honestly, basically the rest of this show with Merlin having to save usually Arthur, occasionally Uther, almost always by magic which almost always involves him performing magic basically in public and inexplicably never getting caught. So many times does this happen. It's right out there in the open. Marilyn's like, walk off, hello. And then something will happen. Yeah, that's how magic is done in this TV show. And his eyes glow every time he performs magic. They turn yellow and glow. We're going to get to glowing in a minute because <laughs> if I if there was one more episode where somebody's jewelry, their new piece of jewelry that they'd only got in the last week, possibly <laughs> as a gift from somebody, started to glow and nobody else noticed, and then it led to them acting strangely. But no, nobody would pay attention to that in Camelot. Um, nope. Another running theme is that just in general, I would say related to this. Uther and Arthur Pendragon are the least observant people in the history of the world. They are so blind. Like, Merlin saves Arthur in 
every episode for at least the first two seasons. Yeah. Using magic. So that's 24 episodes, 21 episodes and then 22 episodes. Yeah. Something like that. Like it's, it's a lot of episodes. And at no point does Marilyn say, or Arthur say to himself, hmm, that was suspiciously convenient for me. Right, no, weird because... that there are all of these coincidental like swords falling out of trees onto people I'm fighting. Yes, that is one of that's one of the best scenes. <laughs> the, the sword literally drops out of a tree, knocks the dude out because we can't have Merlin killing people. And that's it. It's just it's like, oh, yeah, that's it. Because Arthur seems to live in some world where he lives and reigns by divine right. It's because he's a really um, privileged white man. He is the most privileged of the white man. <laughs> um, hashtag let him die. But he does have one weakness, Sarah, and that is blonde women. Yes. Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got a couple of blonde women in the first season, right? Who show up and I don't yeah, know show heave up at him. Bamboozle our uh, our Arthur and Uther. Uh, and in both cases, they they just kind of fall over themselves. Yep. Then we get to meet Lancelot. Lancelot Yay. is, of course, great. He's a really good dude, um, but he's not a nobleman. So even though he saves Arthur at least twice, maybe three times, can't be making him a knight. Never. Yeah, so, so he kind of gets banished. It's really sad. Um, he gets kicked out and he has to go wandering away. And Gwen was just getting to know him. Yeah. Oh, Aww. sexy, sexy Gwen. They're so nice. And she should really end up sexy, with anyone sexy, but Arthur. Awesome. She should end up specifically with Morgana. Yes, but... but... I mean, I'd settle for Lancelot, and obviously, I was going to say we'd settle for Gwyn, but also Morgana should end up with, with Gwyn. Yeah. You know, if we're having them with men, the then it should be Morgana and Gwyn and Yeah, because the, and just imagine, just imagine the beautiful children. I know, so beautiful. Yeah. So and Irish. also be evil. So Irish, exactly. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And as we know, all Irish people, beautiful. Mm. Um, potato faced but beautiful <laughs> uh, we meet Mordred who's this creepy druid kid I've seen him in kid form I've seen that kid in something else oh really just gone from my head yeah that guy yeah that kid <laughs> that kid yeah uh, so Morgana and Merlin help to save him and he gets out and we know like obviously because we know the Arterian legend we know Mordred's coming back later on yeah Um, but you know Merlin is kind of like uh, he's a druid and I've got magic and he's got magic. Let's save him. You should just let him die. Hashtag let him die. Mm -hmm. uh, around about this point, Morgana starts to have feelings of regret that they're kind of crushing all magicians because she gets to hang out with the druids a little bit after being kidnapped. Yeah, and she really likes the kid too. Yeah, she likes the kid and she likes the rest. And they're like, oh, these are, these are nice people. Like maybe they're not all assholes. Um, Why are we just killing she, them? Yeah, why are we just kidding? But we're going to find out later on that it's because of stuff that happened that led to King Arthur being born. Sorry, yes. Arthur being born. Yes. Um, Another, by the way, observation she, at this point in terms of the jurors just all getting killed. There are no trials in Camelot. Just no, none. Definitely not. The entire legal system is basically Uther saying, you look like a wizard. Die. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's basically Uther kind of looks at them and goes, 
Yeah, I've seen enough evidence. And you're thinking to yourself, what evidence? Nobody's given evidence. No, there's no evidence. Like you just brought up and somebody said, this guy's a wizard. And you went, yeah, burn him at the stick. Yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> um, We get to see Excalibur in season one. Yes, it's forged by a dragon. Yeah, because dragons are really good at working with metal, apparently. Dragons are the original um, blacksmiths. They are the original blacksmiths. And uh, Merlin gets it. He gives it to Arthur. Arthur uses it to, like, kill some people. And then it, I think he's a little bit knocked out. He uses it in a in a, one of the tourneys, one of the multiple tournaments. Yeah. Um, to end up beating somebody. I think it's the one against the Black Knight, the guy who's, like, I don't know, dead or something. Yeah, the dead guy who comes back. Yeah. And they need a sword that's forged in a dragon's breath. Yes. Um, in order to save it. So Marilyn goes and gets himself one of these. Um, he has to go to a special cave to get it. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool scene. Yeah. Um, and then Marilyn gives it to Arthur and then takes it and throws it in the lake because that's where he puts all of the things that he cares about and loves, which is going to come back in season two. Yes, it is. Um, uh, the main villain in season one is Nimue, who in a lot of the versions of the Arthurian legend that I've read, she is the lady in the lake. Um and she is one with the land or whatever, but she's the main villain, and she kind of she gets well. It's not really much of a spoiler, but she she's not in season two, so yeah, you can take that for, for what you will. But we find out that she's basically an eternal uh, member of the she, and she uh, helped Arthur be born. Yes, because Uther and his wife couldn't conceive, and. In order for him to be born, she had to take a life. And Uther agreed with this, which meant that he made the choice between Arthur and Igraine. And he chose Arthur. But he presents it as, Nimwa is so evil and she made me do this. No, you knew what was no, going on with this. Like, you should stop whining at this point. Yeah, and Gaius feels really bad because Gaius is the dude who set this up. Right. But, like, I mean... Maybe, guys, if you spent more time thinking about it and less time thinking about how you could drug Nimi, <laughs> you, you would have you actually figured out that it was bad news. Yeah, but so this is why Uther outlawed magic is because magic killed his wife, despite the fact that really basically he killed his wife. He killed his wife and he made the choice to kill her. Um, so uh, I'm not even sure. Uh, the other thing, the last thing from this, this is the first season. My God. That dragon talks a pile of shit. He is so cryptic. It is ridiculous. Like maybe seven or eight of the episodes near the end have Marilyn going down and talking to the dragon every single time. He'd have been better off not going near that dragon because the dragon has like a little bit of chat. Where he's like, oh, your destiny is to be with... Uh, at Arthur, or at, sorry, yeah, your destiny, Merlin, is to be at Arthur's side as he reigns as a great king. Um, and then Merlin will go, well, how am I supposed to help him get out of the prison right now? And the dragon will say something along the lines of, well, my young friend, if you take the brick road that leads around the house and up above the mountain, you'll pick up the dragon's fang that will help you. You know, what? What are you talking about? And that, Merlin's like going, what? Yeah, the dragon never what? just says, take off the glowing piece of jewelry that person is wearing. Yes. 
<laughs> there is one brilliant one where um they take off the brilliant the, the glowing jewelry and then when Arthur comes back or when Merlin comes back the dragon goes I see you found the necklace I'm like, yeah you just what you tell <laughs> you him at the beginning said that. just go take the necklace off him like um but that leads into season two so season one ended with Morgana had been trying to assassinate Uther and she had her chance but Uther tells her you know what I actually regret being such a big dick uh, and I've only been doing it because I've been hurting because my wife died and then Morgana's like oh my god maybe he's not like the worst person in the world I don't want him to die so she helps to save him she's wrong he is the uh, worst person he is Merlin pretty much figures out that there's something dodgy going on at this point with Morgana yes um Nobody else seems to do. Gaius kind of believes Merlin. Well, so what seems to also be going on is that uh, Morgana clearly starts to figure out at this point that she has magic, in part because she has all these mm-hmm. weird kind of prophetic e dreams, which it turns out, I think, so Gaius, I think, knows that there's something going on because I think that's why he keeps drugging her. So she essentially can never find out she has magic. Mm, I think that's why he's been drugging her. One of the reasons why he's been drugging her. Now, um, <laughs> but she learns in season two that she's got magic and she meets her sister, Morghese. Mm-hmm. Um, and between the two of them, they become the silent baddies behind the other baddies in this season where they attempt to kill Uther or Arthur in many different ways. Yes. So this is also about the point where they basically remember, oh, right, Guinevere and Arthur are supposed to get married. Yeah, (laughs) it's so weird. The whole way through season one, they are setting up Morgana and Arthur, Marilyn and Guinevere. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait. they're, They're going through it because... Having watched the first season, because we watched it together, obviously, and we were talking about it. I, now that I'm thinking back about it, there's no mention of Morgana being like a sister to Arthur. Nope. At any point. They're living in the same house, but there's clearly sexual tension. There is them. so much sexual tension. Like, every time he does something, he's like staring at her. Guinevere is just like the servant lady in the background. Guinevere and Marilyn are flirting up and down the place. Yeah, because they're um, like the servant buddies. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're both servants. Also, you're very attractive, Guinevere. And she's like, oh, God, another dude just all up in my shit. Like, <sighs> Who is this boy? <laughs> Who is this man child? <laughs> With um, his bandanas. But yeah, they suddenly realize that Arthur and Guinevere have to be together. So... They put in the fact that um, there's like suddenly there's tension between them. And it's like, oh, I like you. And there's like longing looks and stuff. But it kind of comes out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere. And he's an absolute ass to her. Like repeatedly, he's an asshole to her. Like effectively. Because she's TV a mere show, servant. Yeah. he He's basically negging her the entire time. Oh, yeah. Uh, to get his way. And she falls for it like over and over again. He's the worst. Hashtag let him die. Hashtag let him die. Um, In season two, we have a brilliant, I think it's a double episode, where Uther marries a very attractive blonde lady, but it turns out that she's a troll in disguise. Yes. She will not sleep with him 
But it is heavily implied that Uther goes down on her for hours. It is very heavily implied. This show is filth. This show is pretty filthy, but like, I mean, he's shown moving lower, her smiling, etc., in her troll form. And then it cuts to like the next morning. Yep. And he's still he's still complaining about how she didn't sleep with him. She won't sleep with him. So this was like he obviously went down and troll ate her out. And then there is an amazing hours. expression on his face when he finds out that she is a troll. Yeah, his, it's he's just like beautiful. Uh, it's like his mouth opens and he's, he wants. You can see he wants to brush his tongue he off. He does that tongue that he's just had inside a troll. Filth. Amazing. Um, <laughs> we also learned that the Pentragons are the least observant people in the world because literally shit is just glowing. People are doing sorcery out in the middle of the open and they're not able to spot it. Yeah, so the but, troll is one of the ones who, you know, she is able to kind of uh, lure Uther by means of just giving him a glowing necklace. And nobody during this entire episode, when they know Uther is fucking, in his, or not fucking, uh, going down on and has married a troll... Doesn't occur to anybody, huh? I wonder where he got that weird glowing piece of jewelry he's never worn until last week. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Um, the conceit to this one is that the other people figure out it's a troll halfway through the episodes, and Uther doesn't, and they still know. They know she's married, like he's married to a troll, and then he's like banging a troll. Yeah, it's oh, it's so. It's so it's first of all, it's hilarious. Um, but second of all, come on, be a little bit more observant. But yeah. Some random lady sees uh Marilyn being a douche with his magic in public, and they get to call in a witch hunter, and the witch hunter's played by Tywin Lannister. Yes. And he comes in and he Tywin Lannisters it up all over the place. And the best thing about it is he's a really good witch hunter. Yeah. Because we have three witches in Camelot, Marilyn, Morgana, and Gaius. Gaius has technically got magic. And has and he, used magic before, yeah. And has used magic before, and he has found them within five minutes, six minutes. Yeah, he pretty much immediately is like, all right, so I'm going to like question ten people, and yeah, clearly it's these three. Clearly these three are yeah. the wizards, and they need to be executed. He comes walking in, he's like, Uther, right, so I reckon that your warlock uh, is um, this kid here, Marilyn, Um and I think that he's got an accomplice. He's probably a witch. And he looks over. And there's a good chance it's Morgana. And he's like, but they need somebody to help them. And he turns around and he goes, so I imagine Gaius has magic. He's like, dude is fucking good at his so job. So good. Like, he had to frame Gaius to get the evidence in him because Gaius hasn't used magic in a while. But he knows Gaius has done this. So then... That's the evil thing, right? So we're like, oh no, he's the bad guy because he's just framed Gaius. But in fairness, he's like adhering to the law. Like he's not like I mean, if this was the wire, like this is no different than Jimmy McNulty like leaving a little bit of cocaine uh, in Avon Barksdale's house. Like it's just something that happens. If, yeah. if this was Jack Bauer, he'd be slapping around the witness right now. Exactly. Like, Sometimes you got to stretch the rules, and uh, Tywin Lannister was stretching the rules a little bit. But you may not like his methods, we, but he gets results. He gets results. Um, but then we find out that when it's like Marilyn does it to him, and he ends up getting thrown out a window and dying, and this is meant to be like an ironic ha ha ha, just deserts yeah. kind of thing. 
It's he wasn't breaking any laws. Merlin, Morgana, and Gaius are quite literally breaking laws. Yeah, so apparently we are also like, even if we accept that he like did bad things, we are definitely going with the two wrongs totally do make a right here. Yeah, it is it's pretty bad. Um during one of the episodes, Merlin gets a girlfriend. Turns out she's like a were tiger? Yeah. Were panther or something like this. We're pussy. We're kitty. Uh, please it's filthy like this tv show um he gets to kiss her i'm assuming he gets to do some other stuff because they're in like a little darkened hall for a bit but uh then she dies or is about to die so he throws her in a lake as he does with with everything magic sword everything is precious and important she was like this isn't the first time or because he's throwing a sword in there i think later on he throws something else in the lake in like season four yeah, it's like, ah, he chose it and then literally within five minutes, like, oh shit, I have to go get that. <laughs> but um, yeah, and she becomes the Lady of the Lake and she'll show up later on for like one scene in season five, I think. Right. Um, We also find out that Marilyn's dad is not Gaius. <gasps> I don't know. I'm not sure I buy it, but. I don't buy it either, but apparently he's this dragon lord who's played by like a really, really cool Irish dude, like all the Irish dudes. <laughs> and um. And he comes along, they go and collect him. Marilyn doesn't tell him that he's his son until like halfway through, but he does. And then because it's a medieval set TV show, he promptly dies. Yeah, fathers uh, are the only people who fare worse than women in medieval uh, movies and films. <laughs> especially a peasant farmer. Yeah. Or peasant father, like you are, you are dying, especially if you're nice to your kid in any way yeah and he's kind of inspiring our, our uh, Marilyn so there he goes he has to die hmm. unlike the terrible father Uther who lasts for a while longer oh, he is the worst I kept thinking I kept expecting him to die at a hand point and he doesn't but um, in order to save the kingdom because they've been attacked by soldiers um, Marilyn makes a deal with the dragon that if he helps him he'll set him free and he does and then the dragon becomes a bad guy for a week before Marilyn realizes, hold on a second, I'm a dragon lord. Because his dad is a dragon so lord. Gonna, my, da- my dad was dragon lord, which means I'm a dragon lord. And he's like, hey, dragon, feck off. And the dragon's like, oh yeah, sweet, I will. And once again, people are literally watching this battle from the wind. Like Uther is watching the battle from the window. No one seems to notice that Merlin just commanded the dragon to leave and his eyes started glowing and then the dragon left. The end of it, um, I felt like it was implied that Uther spotted him. Yeah, but he Uther's didn't. looking out the window. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> I thought that was going to be the next plot was that Uther is going to have to wrestle with his feelings about, oh, my son's best friend is a, a warlock and he's been helping us this entire time. And that was going to be a subplot. But nope, they just nope. completely ignore the fact that Uther was staring at the window while he told the dragon to go away. But because Uther is the least observant person in the world. He is absolutely terrible. And I love the fact that we're two seasons in and he's still shocked that magic is the root of his problems. He's like, no, it can't be like guys will come in and go, I've, I feel magic might be the source of our problems this week. And then Uther goes, no, it can't be. Why can't it be? It's literally the source of your problems every week. He moves back and forth bizarrely between magic is evil and must be stopped and outlawed and magic isn't real it's it's so weird like um but 
Uh, Morgana and Morghese have been working behind the scenes this entire time. Um, Morgana is still living in the castle. Merlin now knows that she's gone bad and Gaius does. But Arthur and Uther still think she's the best thing ever because she looks really foxy all the time. And once again, they are super unobservant. They are very, very unobservant. Um, and then season three starts and it's basically about Marilyn trying to find a way to reveal that Morgana is evil in this one. Yes. Yeah. And then we meet Gwen, who is the sexiest and coolest character in the TV show, I think. He is fantastic. He's also just like very clearly way too cool for Arthur and Merlin. Like he's all like, yeah. I'm my own man. And like, I do my own thing. And they're like, hang out with us. Yeah, and uh, Arthur constantly wants to have a sword fight with him because Arthur has to be the best at everything. Yeah. Um, and Gwen is just like, it's not even worth my time, kid. Like, it's so, it's so, he's so little time for Arthur as a soldier. He's like, whatever, I'm I'm drunk and I just killed those six dudes who were attacking me. Yeah, it's like, also, at this point, it's also probably worth mentioning. So Arthur himself seems at least like adequate as a swordsman. But yes. he also seems to be the person who is solely in charge of training the entire uh, knightly force and basically the army of Camelot, at which he has, seems to have no qualifications to do whatsoever, which probably explains why every time there is a scene with them, they just all die. They are dying. At this point, we only have one named knight, and that is Sir Leon, the greatest of all the knights. The greatest um, knight of the round table. I- I know what you guys are thinking out there at home. You're like, I've never heard of Selene. Don't worry. Neither had we. Um, He's completely invented for this show. He is completely terrible. And yet somehow by the end of it is like first night. It is. I have no idea what's going on. But at the it's same time. It's just survival of the lo- fittest. I kind of love that guy too. Like he's he's really good. I love but, you, um, Leon. He's just there. Leon, you're the greatest of them all. Um, But. All the rest of the knights in literally every scene that they're in are getting fucked up and dying. Yep. Because they've been trained by a 12-year-old. <laughs> <sighs> so ridiculous. It is it is so fun. It is so fun. Um Morgana finds out in this season, and this is a massive spoiler, so you may want to not listen for the next five seconds. Three, two, one turns out she's Uther's illegitimate daughter yes so I got this spoiled for me by Wikipedia because I just went on to check the names of the actors and in the descriptions of the characters in the like just like the opening Wikipedia thing it's like eventually you find out Morgana learns she is Uther's illegitimate daughter and I'm like oh I mean that obviously makes sense but god damn it and they obviously decided this around about five episodes into season two when they stopped her and Arthur, her legitimate brother, um, <laughs> from making eyes at each other and basically licking their lips every time they see each other. Well, the worst thing is, so they make a lot of noise about Uther, like really caring very deeply about Morgana and like loves her like a daughter. Yeah, no, he doesn't love her like a daughter. The expressions no, he, he is making at her are creepy when you just know that he's like her guardian and way creepier when you know that he is her dad yeah it is all bad um but Margus, her sister is delighted she's like no way hold on a second you can be the queen now because she didn't really have a path to the throne until that point um 
We then have Gaius's old girlfriend come in, uh, played by is she played by Patricia Garrison? I can't remember. No, I don't think she is. But she's played by um, a really good actress anyway, and um, she uh, shows up and tries to have Uther killed. And even though herself and Gaius had been getting it on during that episode, she has to flee because we can't have anybody being happy in this show. They are so cute. It's so sad. They are very great. Oh, we also forgot to mention that uh, in the first season. Uther has Gwen's father killed. Just, just I want to remind everybody that this oh, is something right, that yeah. happens. Yeah, um, just because I can't believe we didn't mention it, but Jesus. <laughs> um, yep. So Gwen and Arthur become a thing. Morgana has this vision of Gwen being the queen. So she uh, goes, hmm, I can't have this because I need to be the queen in the future. And she would be an amazing queen. Let her but rule. She has she let her rule. Um, but she has it set up so that herself and Uther go for a nice gentle ride in the woods. You know, as you do with your guardian stroke, real father stroke, possible lover. Yeah, that's um, not weird. Yeah, and they find Gwen and Arthur making out. Obviously, Merlin is there too because Merlin's there for all of the major. Merlin is always there, including they literally bring him on their di- like. Arthur and Gwen literally bring him on their dates. It's mm-hmm. so weird. It is very, very creepy because obviously Arthur and Merlin have a thing for each other too, but we're not talking too much about that. Yeah, clearly um, clearly Arthur just wants Merlin to watch. Arthur just wants Merlin to watch. We're like, look what I'm doing. This could be you. But <laughs> <laughs> in order to help uh, Merlin um, from... Uh, from for, so in order to free uh, Gwen... Um, he, Merlin dresses up as an old man, uh, an old man with a Fu Manchu mustache and a weird accent. And this is what we're going to see him a lot wearing in the future. Um, and this is actually and just Colin Morgan in old makeup. This is not like an old man that they hired to play this role. No, they just threw on some old makeup on him. It's, it's so uh, weird. It is so weird. Um, but like they do a lot. It's, it's played for laughs and it's fun. Um, then we have Gendry from Game of Thrones shows up for a little bit and oh, yeah. he tries to kill Arthur. Oh, wait, Gendry yeah. and Sam uh, show up? Sam shows up in the next one. He's yeah. framed. He's framed in uh, season four. Oh, that's right. Um, because he was, the, he was the squire. Yeah, that's right. Um, but Gend- Gendry shows up and at this point, Sarah said to me, he looks like a he looks like a cheap version of Gendry yes. from Game of Thrones. So I didn't recognize this Gendry. So I looked him up and I was like, oh, I look up his IMDb. And I was like, oh, shit, it is Gendry from Game of Thrones. So apparently I completely forgot, but sort of weirdly remembered what Gendry looked like. Yeah, um, but it's very good. Uh, we get him uh, fighting in a battle uh, and Arthur eventually beats him. Um, Probably because Merlin then, stood in a corner and his eyes glowed or something. <laughs> uh, Morgana Morghese set up this weird thing where they create a zombie army. And the zombie army is being run by a guy named Sendred. And he has been like acting all arrogant. And then eventually Morghese kills him and they take control of the zombie army. Which is great. He's left, terrible. Which it's really good. Um, they use the cup of life, which is also the Holy Grail, to create these zombies. And then the last episode of the season becomes Arthur uh, and Lancelot, who is back. Uh, Gawain, sexy Gawain. Uh, Elian, who's Gwen's brother. And Percival. They've all come into it in the last episode. And he has now knighted them. 
and they're going to go out and attack uh, and go on basically a quest for the grail. And Merlin goes yeah. with them. Uh, so they keep calling it the Cup of Life. You remember yes. had an explanation for why it's not called the Grail, which is obviously what it is. Yeah, I can't even remember what my explanation of that I was. I thought you said that it was because you thought the BBC was especially an- like anxious oh, about religion. Oh, I thought you meant as in had the logic. Yeah, uh, the BBC are really, really, really anti-having religious symbolism in their TV shows because the Holy Grail is obviously a Christian symbol, but they're trying to be inclusive for everybody. So they don't call anything the Holy Grail. They don't make any ob- 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 yeah. they don't make any direct um direct kind of mentions of religion in any of their shows like this, right? So for example, Arthur and Uther should be Christians. Right. We don't see a cross in the TV show. We don't see them at church. They are knighting people. Uh, knights are were a religious order. Like they would have had to spend the night in the church doing penance and then get yeah. knighted in front of the thing. That doesn't happen. We have three marriage scenes that happen in the throne room. They don't happen in cathedrals and stuff because BBC doesn't like to show them. And you'll find that in a lot of their TV shows. Like if you watch Doctor Who, there's very little... There's maybe two episodes that happen in a church and you never see the cross. You never see Jesus hanging on the cross and stuff. They just kind of tend to shy away from that. So that's why they don't call it the Holy Grail. They and it's also... It of life. Yeah, and it's interesting because in the terms of the like shying away from it, they keep referring to the basically people who practice magic as practitioners of the old religion, but they the never actually religion. say what the new religion is. <laughs> yeah, which is obviously no Christianity, but they don't do anything very Christian. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I think it is. But I, I mean, I could be winning wrong. Maybe somebody listening would write in and go, no, it's actually just because they didn't have the rights to use the Holy Grail because the Catholic Church wouldn't give it to them. <laughs> it's actually just been, it's actually George Lucas has uh, has copyrighted it. <laughs> He's copyrighted it now. It belongs, it actually belongs to Disney. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, Marilyn has to go get Excalibur. He gives it to. Oh, no, he doesn't. Sorry. I was going to say, they they have to go and try and find the Holy Grail and they attack yeah. Sendred's castle, which has full of zombie warriors, right? And Percival is really good with the sword because he's got like the world's biggest arms and wife beater chainmail. Elian, Gwen's brother, is really good with a sword. Gwen is obviously amazing with a sword. Lancelot is really good with a sword. And Arthur thinks he's the best with a sword. Um, they're fighting off the zombies, but they're about to die. Merlin no martial skill whatsoever decides to keep the zombie killing sword. Yeah, Excalibur um, is the only himself. sword that Exc- can kill the zombies. But instead of handing it over and saying, hey, sexy Gwen, I know you've, because there's, there's one scene in particular where Gwen kills, you know, kills, and I'm going to refer to commas, like six or seven zombies, but they're coming back to life. Yeah, he just puts them out of commission for like five seconds, but five if seconds, he'd had a yeah. magic zombie killing sword, those would be really dead. Yeah, Merlin's like back to back with him. And you're like, dude, just give the really fancy sword to the guy who's really good with it. Even if he, he'll give it back to you. Like, Gwen's a really good dude. Like, he's not going to keep it. Like, but they don't. Uh, but Merlin manages to get his hands on the cup and um, they end up killing all the zombies. But at this point, Morgana is known to be evil. And she tells Uther, I'll be back to kill you and take my throne. I wish. It was pretty badass. Yeah. She is amazing. 
Yeah, she is. Uh, Morgana is the best thing in this thing. Yes. We are we are clearly just rooting for Morgana at this point. Yeah, I want Morgana to win, which is probably going to come up later on when the two of us talk about that in our yeah. fabulous Nostra. Yeah. Um, how does season four go, Sarah? Uh, so at the B, it begins a year later. So uh, Morgana is still in hiding. And Arthur is ruling while Uther is basically like semi-comatose and depressed because his much-beloved daughter that he never acknowledged as his daughter is turned out to be evil and hate him. Um, <laughs> Arthur is being assisted by his uncle, Agravane. And we also know that there is a traitor. Guess what? Is the traitor going to be the person who's the new character in the show that we've never seen before? Yes. Who dresses yes, in is. black? Yeah, who dresses in black and is the sketchiest looking dude ever? Yes, yes, it is. And, and it's revealed within 25 minutes of the start of season two. It's, it's like, like really? oh, this is a good guy. And it's like, oh, oh, wait, no, he's he's hanging out with Morgana. Yeah. Good job. Um, yeah. Morgana's like terrible. hanging out in a hut somewhere. Um, she's now transitioned into wearing all black now that she's officially evil. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she could kind of and use a comb. It, in this scene, but she looks amazing still. Yeah, she looks great. Um, and Black looks so good in her, especially since she managed to get a new push-up bra. She used to be sharing it with Gwen, but now she's got one of her own, and uh, there's some some heavage going Gwen on. Gwen also, yeah. Um, they, they clearly each have one, and they are clearly just playing up heave in uh, one, seasons four One thing I will say is Agravain is, I believe, meant to be a Grain's brother. Yes, because he's not Uther's because brother. He's not Uther's brother, so he's a Grain's brother. So, in fairness, Uther killed his sister. Yeah. So, we're, like, we're talking about how he's evil or whatever, but I mean, he's just getting revenge against the man who killed his sister. So, I mean, Uther's the worst. Um, Uther is the worst. Uh, so, Morgana, she's in hiding. Um, Lancelot. Uh, there's a scene where they're trying to attack Morgaze is trying to attack and they set up a path to get into the nether regions and <laughs> the nether region sounds filthy <laughs> the nether world um, somebody has to go into it Arthur goes to do it but then Lancelot shows up and goes ah damn it uh, Gwen I know that we're in love but you're with Arthur now so I'm gonna go and sacrifice myself because she was all like him. oh protect Arthur it's like no no this was yeah, a bad like, call Lancelot, girl yeah Lancelot is such a good guy. He walks into the netherworld to save Arthur and takes the place. Um, Morgana learns that somebody called Emrys, which, by the way, has been... That's what Merlin has been called by at least seven characters Like all the so druids, far. basically. Like all the druids call him Emrys. The dragon calls him Emrys a lot. Um, but apparently nobody has been around to hear it, so it's a big mystery as to who Emrys is. They've been not noticing uh, that. Well, they've been not knowing how his eyes turn a different color and glow. Yeah. Also, by the way, everybody, this is season four, and still the only people who know Merlin has magic are Gwen, Gaius, and Lancelot. Lancelot is now dead. Yeah. And Gwen only kind of like I, I don't. Know, I was gonna say Gwen doesn't know for sure. Like Gwen knows for sure. He just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like oh, like, that's cool. Okay. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. You're good. You're a good. You're a good man, Merlin. <laughs> you're a good man. You're mildly um, useful to have around, Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so um, Uther gets injured. Uh, Merlin dresses up as an old man, but he fails to take into account that once again, Arthur, or sorry, Uther has a brand new necklace on him that glows whenever anything happens, and this necklace would reverse any spell that's put on it. Yeah. So. 
Marilyn tries to cast. Yeah, thank you, Morgana. Marilyn tries to cast a healing spell, and it kills Uther. Yay! Hashtag let him die. And then we're thinking Uther's done, so they'll like free up magic. But no, Arthur goes. Despite the fact that he argued with his father repeatedly on the same issue, decides, no, I have to uphold my father's last rights and say that I'm going to ban all magic. Well, his father technically got killed by magic, so magic is evil. Magic is evil. It killed his dick dad. (laughs) His dad was such an asshole. I do love the fact that Arthur constantly says, I can't argue with my father about something, but conveniently in the next scene will argue about something else. (laughs) Yeah. I can't go against my father's wishes. You are constantly going against your father's wishes. There's very little consistency. Um, There's a baby dragon. It's so cute. Because, yeah, Marilyn finds a dragon egg and hatches it. Uh, Morgana, at the end, conquers uh, Camelot and takes the throne because Arthur's such a dick that he allows this to happen. Oh, we also, there's Um, the whole Guinevere plotline. Which I oh, hate. Oh God, yes. They bring, they bring Lancelot back from the dead. Or Morgana does specifically. Uh, Morgana does specifically, um, and then they put a love spell on both he and Gwen because the two of them are such nice people. They wouldn't actually cheat on Arthur, but which they should have. Um, but they should have. Uh, Arthur catches them and again banishes Lancelot. I think Lancelot dies again. And then um, banishes Gwen. So we have a couple of episodes of like Gwen, Morgana. During this time, Arthur is like beside himself because like it's his own fault, right? Uh, and doesn't pay attention. And Agravain and Agravain and Morgana conquer Camelot. She gets to sit in the throne and look pretty cool. She looks uh, amazing. She clearly should we be queen. get. She should be queen. Um, we get. Um, the sword and the stone scene and it's shown that Arthur is just a big dick and Merlin is allowing him and using magic to get him to pull the sword, the sword out. It's like an amazing uh, this, kind of bit of trickery, basically, that Merlin's just standing really there good. being like, I heard this legend that like you are fated to pull the sword out of the stone. And then he just like stands next to the stone and his eyes glow. And then suddenly, uh, magically, Arthur is able to pull the sword out. <laughs> this, yeah, uh, it's very good. Um and this inspires people to follow him again, and they go and kick their asses. Uh, as Sarah's written down here, bizarrely, uh, Tristan and Isolde are in this. Tristan, played by a man in his 50s, Isolde, played by a woman in her 20s. Yep. So I guess yeah. they, I feel uh, like it should be Mark and Isolde, but you know. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody wants it to be Mark and Isolde. They're also like weird thieves. It's a very odd, They're weird it's a very thieves, odd choice and... that they make. It is it is really strange. But um, Arthur realizes he was dumb and he marries Gwen. Yay. Uh, Morgana gets I injured, guess. but the cute baby dragon heals her using cute baby dragon powers. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. Which leads into season five. The final and this season. is where we're going to play the little clip of Marilyn becoming a man. Inexplicably, he's now a man <laughs> in the intro. Well, three years um, have passed. Three years have passed. <laughs> uh, so Arthur's king for three years. Uh, uh, the only person who seems to do anything proper is Gwen. Gwen is queen right now. And every time Arthur goes away, and he goes away two or three times during this, she's like the best. Yeah, it's cl- it's very clear that the kingdom is way better off when Arthur's gone and Guinevere is in charge. 
Yeah. Um, and we're not going to spoil it, but like, let's, let's hope that's how the TV show ends. Um, yeah. Then there's a there's a little subplot where some of the soldiers they they go to try and kill Morgana to find out where they are, but they get tricked, and some of them get some of the soldiers get trapped under the ground in a mine and set to be slaves or whatever. And uh, Gwen goes wandering off um, into the thing because he sees a light, and there's an alien. Yep. That's just in case you guys didn't realize this is an alien in this TV show. It looks exactly like the aliens in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Speaking of things that I guess have probably been copyrighted by George Lucas. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Um, Uther is back for uh, a scene or two as a ghost, but he's just a dick. It's like again. it's like one episode, basically, that like Uther is just like an evil ghost, and he like tries to kill Gwen because like God forbid my son marry a mere servant. Yeah, it's so weird. Mordred gets Mordred's back. Um, he has a chance to kill Arthur, but he stabs Morgana. No. And, and Arthur makes him a knight. So he's a knight now. Merlin is not happy with this. Uh, even though Mordred seems to be a pretty good knight, Merlin's like, this guy's a dick. He's going to be bad news. Because he had a bad dream. Um, because he had a bad dream. <laughs> and obviously dreams are real. Um, despite the fact that there's various points where other people talk about the bad dreams and Merlin just completely dismisses them. There's a great subplot where Gwen gets kidnapped and Morgana basically uses torture and mind tricks to um turn her evil and the two of them work together and i in my head make out a little yeah this um, is ha- the best part so sexy, of the series so and clearly that's how it should have ended with them in allegiance with one another deposing all of these terrible men and ruling side by side as co-queens <laughs> um so just before she's going to kill arthur Merlin discovers this and he saves arthur and then they take her to uh, a lake and um, they use the power of love and this magic lake to heal her. <sighs> Morgana shows up and is firing magic at her. She, at this point, realizes that Merlin has magic because Merlin zaps her with some magic. Yeah, it takes um, her a while. She clearly uh, has inherited more than she might like to admit from her Pendragon side of the family in terms of lack of, ob- of observational skills. One thing I will say is they meet in battle three or four times um, when she doesn't know he has magic. And and there's a couple of times where they're having a, a literal magic like test of strength or whatever. She would kick his Oh, clearly. If they went up against each other. Because he doesn't seem to really learn anything, but she's hanging out with like Morgase and was learning like all these cool spells and shit. But like... Oh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, but as we go on, Marilyn then refuses to help Mordred's girlfriend who gets locked up. because Some druid you know, girl. He's, he's like, oh, I've helped other druids before. I'm not going to help her. Um, because which she's trying to causes... kill Arthur, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, probably. exactly. Whatever. So what ends up is Mordred switches sides and then we're going to leave it there. We're not going to talk about what happens after that. Yes. The only other general observation that I would like to make for the last season is that the baby dragon gets like captured at some point by some other guy who's mm. a jerk and it's really like sick and malnourished looking and it's so sad. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Hmm. But 
The other things I want to talk about is in this TV show, people can snoop around really easily in the castle because there are no such thing as locks, apparently. Nope. They haven't um, invented locks. I, locks are the work of the devil. Yeah, Arthur has his shirt off a lot and Marilyn stares at Arthur while he sleeps a lot. It's a little creepy. But, you know, um, I mean... A little creepy. I, you know, I, I don't want to say that I have a problem with their love. No, I don't have a problem <laughs> with the love. I just think this is a creepy way it's, to express it. It's a little it. creepy. Um... <laughs> uh, there's also a decent amount thing, of like gay panic because related to the snooping i would say because there are all these bits a ton of yeah because there's all these bits where arthur's like snooping around or sorry where merlin is snooping around and like looking at like morgana's stuff or something and then you know comes across a dress and there's this like weird thing where clearly arthur is like why are you trying on morgana's dresses merlin which like if he wants to try yeah. on morgana's dresses good for him let him, let him wear the dresses. Like, I mean, he just wants to be happy and you're not doing what you need to do to make him happy. Um, Marilyn has two different shirts and two different bandanas, which we have, ne- we, it took <laughs> us literally like three and a half seasons to realize this. He's got an orange shirt, a reddy orange shirt and a blue bandana or a bluey shirt and a reddy orange bandana. Yeah, it took us four seasons to realize that there were actually two different outfits Merlin has. Both, however, are terrible no one should wear that bandana ever. And also it should be, both of them should be burned. Exactly. Uh, Morgana, however, looks flawless in every single thing she wears. I want her entire um, wardrobe. Oh my yeah, God. She, her clothing is fantastic. She, she wears it really, really well. And it's not written down here, but I also want to say that as soon as Gwen becomes queen, she rocks every single queen. Oh yeah, she, she gets these amazing, like off the shoulder, like very low cut dresses, and looks fabulous in mm-hmm. them. So I'll take her she like does. queen wardrobe too if I'm oh, uh, buying one clothing from Merlin. Yeah, one thing I will mention is that uh, Gwen is played by uh, an actress of color. Yes, and it's quite progressive the TV show, in so much as that they did genuinely do seem to be colorblind in a lot of cases. So, yeah, so Guinevere and Lancelot and Guinevere's brother Elian as well are, yeah, all played by actors of color. Um, so, you yeah. know, it's definitely not like 100% parody, but yeah, I mean, they do seem to have made an effort toward race-blind casting, which is really great. Which is really good. Um, and also uh, nationality-blind, because a lot of them are Irish and Welsh mm-hmm. actors, so that's really good. Yeah. Um, and then we get uh, what we have to talk about. I know we talked about it a little bit, like, but Leon is... The only knight who manages to survive throughout the entire series. Um, from He's there in the first episode in the background and he's there in the last episode. And he's just like, I am Leon. I am now war leader of this group. And there's even, I, I think it finishes on the upbeat note that perhaps Leon might be moving in on one of the remaining ladies, if you know what he I mean. Might. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew each other growing up. They did. Um, also on their kind of stray observation, I believe this show actually passes the Bechdel test. It probably does. On a couple does. of occasions in, uh, conversations well, between, uh, Morgana and Guinevere. Yeah, there are a couple of points where Morgana and Guinevere make out and talk about how they love each other, but that may be just in my head. I think that's just in your head, but I think they do talk about, like, politics and magic and things like that oh no yeah they definitely Morgus and uh morgana have loads of conversations that's true yeah she has conversations with Morgos as well um yeah i actually think this show does on several occasions pass the bechdel test so not bad guys guys it's a really good show you should you should just watch you should definitely watch this show 
But we're going to move into our next section, which is very false, which is truth and fallacy. So, Sarah, what does this TV show get right? So obviously the kind of considerations are a little bit different because this is clearly a kind of fantasy-esque show, uh, but that is just set in a vaguely kind of medieval realm. Um, but a couple of things that I wanted to point out that I thought they did a really good job with. Um, first of all, so if you'll remember, we talked about our favorite witch hunter, Tywin Lannister. And mm-hmm. Tywin Lannister actually does a pretty good job as a witch hunter of basically modeling um, inquisitorial method in trials that the way in which he actually, I mean, he ultimately has to kind of frame people, but the way he actually finds out and figures out that all of these people are actually wizards and witches is by um, a series of kind of questioning methods, which is actually what inquisitorial method is originally supposed to be that you're supposed to basically start with um, a kind of set of basically clever questions about their motives, about what exactly it is that they're doing. And that ideally that should lead to a confession without torture, although they did in the Inquisition ultimately turn to torture if they had to. Yeah, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. They didn't, actually. That's a, that's a story for another mm-hmm. time. That is true. Um, uh, yeah, so I think they actually do a pretty good job of that, which kind of makes up for, I guess, the fact that otherwise there is no evidence that they have any legal system whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. But that, yeah, they definitely don't. They do not. Yeah. But that this one figure actually is a pretty good representation of an aspect of the medieval legal system. Uh, and he's also played tremendously. He's really, really good. Charles Dance is brilliant. Should be in every TV show. He really should. He is by far the best actor in this show. In his one episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and something else that is not exactly something that they like get right, but that is kind of a cool touch is that uh, one minor character, but recurring minor character, who shows up every now and then whenever they need to learn something, is that the court historian and librarian is someone named Geoffrey of Monmouth. So Geoffrey of Monmouth is a real person. Uh, He was not a contemporary of Arthur and Merlin. He lived in the 12th century. But it's a really cool touch, I think, because Geoffrey of Monmouth is the person known for essentially being one of the kind of earliest people to develop the narrative of King Arthur and the rule of King Arthur, as we now know it um, in his uh, what's called in English, the history of the Kings of Britain um, or uh, Historia Regum Britanniae in Latin. Show off. I know. So I got, I got to do my Latin. Um, <laughs> he also seems to have had a particular fascination for and affinity with Merlin um so the uh history of the kings of britain is one of his uh particularly well-known works but the other works attributed to him or two of the other major works attributed to him are both specifically merlin centered um so there's a book that he uh completed called the uh profetiae merlini the prophets of merlin which is basically just a series of really weird obscure prophecies that he said like that he claimed to have translated from some ancient language and that originally were the prophecies of merlin Oh, did he find them on gold tablets buried in the wood? That's what he claimed, pretty much. It was basically it was basically the original awesome. version of that. That's pretty yeah. Dum 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 dum. Yep. <laughs> uh, and he also wrote a poem called the Vita Merlini, the life of Merlin, um, which is basically Merlin as a crazy old man wandering around in the woods and being super depressed because Arthur's dead. Oh no. Yeah. 
Oh, poor Marilyn. I know, because he knows how much Marilyn loved Arthur, as we also know yeah. from watching the show. Yeah, he does. Marilyn loves Arthur. And I think deep down, Arthur loves Marilyn too. Hashtag Merthyr. Merthyr forever. <laughs> uh, what did the TV show get wrong? Um, if you know, if you could keep it to three main things, maybe. Yeah, so, so three kind of big things. <laughs> Um, so first of all, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, complain about the architecture. We see a lot of shots of the castle of Camelot. That castle is like 17th century France. We get at least two different castles and we do. I think they're they seem 17th to be moving century f- France. The, se- the second one seems like it's moving forward yeah. in time. There's also like, we keep seeing this particular set that I guess they have set up of them like going down some stairs to the dungeon because they're going down to the dungeon all the time because everyone keeps getting captured and then, you know, freed very easily because there aren't any locks. There aren't any locks and people just let go. There's, uh, there's one brilliant scene where Arthur, or sorry, where Merlin is in the dungeon and Gaius comes down to see him and basically just says, well, just let yourself go. Like, you, you've done it. 10 times already. <laughs> you can just do like it you, again. You just, you've walked around down and unlocked locks loads of times. Just do it yourself. Like, um, So on the kind of like set of the kind of stairs on the way down to these lockless dungeons is a railing mm. that definitely was built in like 2008. Yeah, it's a it's a steel railing and it's like, it's really good. It looks like it'd be the kind of thing that would keep you safe. Yeah, it's like the most modern looking thing I've ever seen. I've been on medieval staircases. <laughs> they don't have railings like that. Sarah, one thing that um, jumped out at me is how accurate they got Prima Nocta in this um, in this show. So one of the because... very few things this show does get right is that it does not feature the Jus Prima Noctis, which is the correct Latin terminology. Uh, Primo Nocto. Jus Prima Noctis. Uh, <laughs> but however, it's a little off on some facets of how marriage works. So I think we've talked about this before, but it is very much the case that pretty much anybody of, say, Arthur's status would 100% expect to have an arranged marriage. And he spends Mm. so much time bitching about the possibility that his father might ever arrange a marriage for him or ask him to marry somebody for politics as opposed to love. Dude, come on. Everyone knows you're not marrying for love. We did, however, skip over back when we were talking about it. The biggest hashtag let him die that we did in this thing is when Arthur tells him he's in love with Gwen and Uther tells Arthur that serving girls are okay for, you know, a bit of fun, but you don't marry them. Yup, it is gross. He is the worst. Hashtag go fuck yourself, Uther. Yup, he is awful. So, yeah, that's another big thing is that clearly nobody in this universe has ever heard of a concept of arranged marriages for the royalty or nobility. Um, and would, would they have been the most common form of marriages? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even people of a kind of lower social status probably also would have largely had arranged marriages. Um, that it's pretty clear that if you were, say, like a kind of, you know, merchant or even like a kind of, you know, from an artisan family in the city, um, uh, or even peasant families that still your marriages are probably going to be, especially in the case of women, that the marriages are going to be arranged essentially for the convenience of your family, that that's the primary goal. Um, the idea of a love marriage as being the ideal is really not especially a medieval one. 
Yeah, it was invented by Jane Austen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, the last thing I, I wanted to ask you about is um, just how accurate is the idea that Morgana now has a legitimate claim to the throne? It is ridiculous. So they're very excited when they find out that Morgana is actually the daughter of Uther because uh, Morgos in particular is always, oh, like now you can be queen. There is no medieval universe in which the illegitimate daughter of the king is going to be able to mount a serious claim against his legitimate son. Um, Hmm. That's pretty ridiculous. So even if we pretend this is a universe with a greater degree of gender equality, which I don't think is actually the case, given the way things seem to work on the whole, um, even if you accepted that part, the legitimacy versus illegitimacy divide um, is still a relatively serious one, essentially, unless there's something like really wrong with the legitimate heir, which, you know, I mean, I think there is, but they wouldn't think there was. <laughs> Uh, has any, has there ever been a case where the illegitimate son or daughter has claimed the throne ahead of a legitimate son? There have been sons, but they've just killed the legitimate heir. Yeah, so it's never been, uh, actually, I'm proving more popular. I happen to be six months older, so I get to. No, the- it's very clearly something that's like, okay, if you really kind of go for it and then end up basically murdering your half sibling, then you can perhaps make it work. Um, but it's no, le- but you know, it would never be considered normal for you to choose the illegitimate person over the legitimate person. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to make sense, but that's what they were implying that because Morgana seems to be, I think she's meant to be just ever so slightly older than Arthur. Right. Yeah. She should be the, the rightful queen or whatever but i mean like again that doesn't make it which sense. also by the way is a thing that they never really deal with in addition is that everyone's like oh this is cool and nobody really seems to ever get into the fact that like oh so this means that uther was cheating on his beloved wife and uh Morgana's mom was cheating exactly. on her supposedly beloved husband great great yeah. guys yeah mm-hmm. and that's what led to uh but that's i bet you uther tried to kill Igraine. just flat out kill her oh i didn't understand nimue Oh, when you said it's gonna be a life for a life, I, I did, I, I thought you meant I'd have to sacrifice a goat. I think you meant like in a metaphorical sense, like I die a little on the yeah. inside. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Sarah, we'll move on to our next section, which I'm going to remain quiet about because I have not even remotely close to the same breath of knowledge that you have about this. Um, so I'm gonna go with. Historia et Veritas. And I'm going to say to you, please tell us about Jewish coding. Yeah. So often in this section, we talk about a kind of real historical figure. But instead, this week, I'm going to do something a little bit different. And I'm going to talk about a phenomenon, which is one that I see as erasing instead a real historical group of people. Uh, So something that is relatively common in medieval-esque fantasy is that you have magical creatures in particular that are coded as Jewish. Um, And when I say coded as Jewish, I mean basically that they um, have certain visual features which are stereotypically Jewish. Um, So the conventions of essentially um, the kind of stereotypical Jew, uh, the large nose, often somewhat darker skin, 
Um, these are conventions that are developed in the medieval period in about the 13th century. And uh, these are conventions that then survived and got essentially repackaged in various ways, you know, in, for example, the Nazi regime. Um, uh, so something that is relatively common is that you have these magical creatures that are visually coded as Jewish and then often also are seen as being potentially linked in with a number of other rather uncomfortable Jewish stereotypes. Um, the most hmm. pervasive of these being the idea that Jews really like money. Um, so this is something that, for example, you know, one kind of really good, well-known example, uh, not medieval fantasy, but fantasy in general, um, in Harry Potter, many people see the goblins in Harry Potter as being extremely... Jewish, Jewish yeah, as being very yeah. much Jewish coded figures. Uh, so Merlin manages to have a staggering three examples of different magical creatures who are coded as Jewish in somewhat disturbing ways. Mm. My personal favorite of these is actually uh, Uther's lovely troll lady friend. Mm -hmm. uh, Uther's lovely troll lady friend has a nice big Jewish nose when she's not disguised as a lady um, and you know presenting when she's not she is not presenting as human and she is explicitly described as seeking money and power um, that there is even a scene where they're basically like why would the troll want to try and marry Uther and then they're like oh right for her money and the power um jews and the, and jews of course oh, are not only in stereotypes going back to the middle ages and continuing in certain circles up till today are presented as being particularly greedy and concerned with money um but also as essentially seeking power and control and essentially being the power behind the throne um and this again is a stereotype that you know you can see in the middle ages that there is were claims made at various points that certain kings were overly influenced by the jews um, and it is a claim that, you know, you see in modern anti-Semitic texts like the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Mm -hmm. uh, this kind of power behind the throne, uh, anti-Jewish language. That's your your favorite book, isn't it? Yep. Just a, it's a real page turner. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wanted to assign it in a class and I was going to assign the whole thing and then I realized that then I would have to ask them to buy a copy that was produced by a somewhat questionable source that I was worried was selling it because they actually thought it was true. So oh then God. I decided I probably <laughs> shouldn't have my students buy that. That's probably a good. One. Uh, what was the second example of Jewish coding? In uh, so there is a kind of troublemaking mischievous goblin that possesses Gaius. Um, and so for most of the episode, it's in the body of Gaius. But when not, once again, it has these kind of, you know, Jewish stereotypical features, uh, in particular, the large mm -hmm. nose. And it literally, literally licks gold. It just yeah, it, takes out its tongue and it licks on away. This was very uncomfortable to watch. It's really um, upsetting. It really is. Uh, and Gaius does it too? Yeah, so when Gaius is possessed by the goblin, he as well licks the gold. Um, and, you know, the defining feature of this magical creature, in addition to it basically being a kind of troublemaker, is its lust for gold, which it, I don't know, eats or something. 
yeah, I think Gaius eats gold. At some yeah, point. it's weird. It's very weird. But yeah, I, but it, it as you said, that was the first time it was you pointed out to me. It was like, oh my god, you're right. This is very much coded as Jewish. Yeah. So those are probably in some ways the two worst ones. Uh, but there is also a kind of fairy woman, um, a woman of the uh, the she, the kind of fairy group. Um, uh, who also, once again, has basically, you know, the kind of Jewish nose and is presented as being basically trying to orchestrate a marriage with a woman under her control and Arthur so that she can have greater access to money and power. Yeah. Um, and again, the little fairy uh, in its blue form at the beginning is coded as Jewish with the large nose. Et yeah. So you have these features that, uh, you know, are pretty commonly Jewish in, you know, art going back to the 13th century and continuing um, even arguably to caricatures, you know, produced today, basically, um, in the 21st century. Uh, sorry for everyone who can hear uh, that is my dog who has found a squeak toy in the background. <laughs> But that's not your dog at all, sir. You were just playing with that squeaky I know, it's so fun. <laughs> um, it's Lamb Chop. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so there are these efforts to visually code as Jewish, which then when... <laughs> the efforts of visual coding as Jewish, which then uh, when coupled with this essentially obsession with money and, uh, and with power that all of these characters have is a bit upsetting. And uh, the troll woman also, um, she is presented as basically wanting to consume like filth and excrement. There's a particularly icky scene um, where basically they go and get like horse poop mm. from the stables for her to eat. Um, it's a horror. Yeah, which is kind of upsetting as well when you think about the Jewish coding aspect given that one of the ways, in fact, Jews, Christians, and Muslims um, engage in polemic against one another was with a kind of emphasis on other religions as having this association with filth and excrement. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit creepy. And in the real historical time period, would... Right, so would a goblin have been described in terms of having Jewish features, or is that just something that's popped into modern culture as we're doing? So I would say that's something modern, um, that I would say in the Middle Ages, they tended to be more focused on real Jews who are in their midst, and, you know, there's really not especially anything wrong in a medieval context, uh, with basically saying a lot of nasty things about Jews, um, so yeah. one of the things that actually gets done by turning these magical creatures into kind of weird substitutes for Jews, in addition in some ways to perpetrating anti-Jewish stereotypes, is that it also contributes to erasing real-life Jews. So um, we talked last week about how the, you know, historical King Arthur, where there one, would have been like the 5th century and there were not any Jews at the time. But, you know, you take a figure like Geoffrey of Monmouth, who is writing and kind of creating the figure of Arthur in the 12th century, and he very much is somebody who, in England at that time, would have had a number of Jewish contemporaries. He probably knew Jewish yeah. people. Um, uh, and so those real-life Jews tend to be erased from the context of both uh, medieval historical um, films and books and medieval-esque fantasy and replaced instead by these kind of weird anti-Jewish caricatures. Oh, that's, it's just, uh, it boggles the mind. You pointed out to me in a bunch of other movies 
as we were going through if we've been watching these medieval things stuff like um Jewish characters either not existing or always being given the negative traits. Yeah. And uh, it's not something that I'd spot it. I mean, this is, if you were going to talk about privilege, like this is like white Catholic privilege in all its glory here. It had never even occurred to me that that's what they were doing before. And now that you've pointed it out to me that, yeah, there seems to be an awful lot of the bad guys who are not necessarily good with swords and stuff tend to be coded Jewish and they're sneaky and creepy and um you know doing base underhanded things and you know it's you know it's uncomfortable to watch now that I've had it I've had it shown to me. So uh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry to be honest I'd be honest with you Sarah, I'm sorry that you have to go through that coming from the background that you come from. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I would say, you know, as far as people who are persecuted in the United States goes, Jews far from have, you know, are far from having the worst of it. But, uh, you know, this is something that as, you know, both a Jewish woman and somebody who teaches Jewish history, it is very visible to me. And uh, it's pretty gross and maybe something that you should try not to do if you're making a movie. <laughs> Yeah, so anybody listening who's making a movie, maybe stay away from that shit. And hopefully Hollywood or BBC will catch on with it soon. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> God damn all of those Christians were the worst. But we move on to our next section, which is how we would make our own version of this. And I think we're only going to have one I think that's true. Because we've talked <laughs> about this a lot ourselves, but this is the section on Fabula Nostra. <laughs> <laughs> getting worse at this um sarah there's only one thing i want to do i want to remake this entire series exactly as it is except maybe remove the jewish coding but morgana wins morgana wins i think we should stick with that whole gwen switching sides thing have her stay switched mm -hmm. and then you know i think they would be great co-rulers gwen clearly has a would. lot of effectiveness as a ruler I think the two of them would, you know, work really well together as both a couple and as co-rulers. Co-rulers, co-queens. Um, I think they would work really well together because Gwen is efficient. She still cares about her people. And if anybody fucked with them, Morgana would have no problem. Just, hey, take them out. Like, if we were to think Morgana as an, a, an evil character, okay? So... I just imagine Morgana as a Bond villain. And if Morgana was a Bond villain, James Bond would be dead the first time that they capture him. Yes. She really would be the because author of all of his pain. She would be the author of all his pain. She'd be like, yeah, torture him for about 30 seconds. As soon as he screams once or does that James Bond thing where he's like, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. She'd be like, oh, fine. Now you're dead. Yeah. And she'd magic him to death. She just goes straight uh, to like trying to kill Arthur. It's sometimes a little convoluted because, you know, she's trying to not reveal herself. And then when she reveals herself, they're guarding against her and all that. But she's just straight up like, yeah. great, let me come up with a plot to, from afar, murder you. Yeah. It's not, uh, let's find one to sow political instability in the region. It's like, nope, I'm going to have Uther or Arthur killed at this point. Here's some poison. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Like, And Gwen is ridiculously good at all of the uh, queenly duties of judging other people's um, problems and trying to help out. And she's she's somebody who grew up poor, so she became a really good queen. Yeah. And I said, I, I think myself and yourself had discussed maybe writing something about this. 
set in the future where they had basically presided over a hundred years of peace and prosperity for Camelot. Yes. And kept it going long after Arthur was dead. And then we were talking about how we could set it in the real England and have Arthur, because he's part of the new religion, we'll just say Christianity, become like a martyr because he was killed by Morgana, who follows the old religion. And then we could have a crusade against Camelot. Which I think is an interesting story. I'd like to finish yeah, something like that, like I an think, alternative version of history. I think that would be really awesome. Also, because if we're going to make it, you know, set essentially in the real England, there is an interesting, um, basically, trend in some ways that because the Christians are often particularly awful to the Jews, uh, the Jews sometimes get along especially well with, you know, people around them who aren't Christian. So I think that the followers of the old religion and the growing Jewish population of England would actually have a great time banding together against the uh, Christian Arthurian crusade. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it would be a very interesting story. I'd like to write it and I'd like to watch a movie based around it. As for casting, I'd keep pretty much all the major players the same because I think they're really good. I'd make sure Charles Dance comes back for a much bigger part. Absolutely. Um. I would probably get John Hurt to act a little bit more instead of just doing the voiceover at the start of every episode because he's not in enough episodes. I know creating a dragon, CGI dragon, was going to be expensive, but, I mean, it doesn't look like you spent that much money. (laughs) It's not that good of a CGI dragon. And honestly, I think they might have just done that CGI dragon scene once and then, like, dubbed other (laughs) dialogue over it. There is an awful lot of the, the dragon just kind of moving and putting its head over Arthur. Yeah. Or, or uh, Merlin. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I would like to do. Uh, we would call it Merlin and basically have it be about Morgana and Gwen. Yeah. Our co-queens. The real heroes. So sexy, so evil. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think probably uh, you have already guessed how we feel about Merlin. But uh, despite that, I think we should move on to officially giving our ratings. You mean giving our estimatios? Yes. Or, well, I'm going to be really pedantic and say it would be estimationes, but yes. Get in there, pedantic (laughs) queen of pedantry. Correcting Latin yet yet again. Whatever, Dr. Decker. (laughs) I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm just going to say... Fuck it. Everybody needs to watch this. Five out of five. It's brilliant. Get in there. Watch every single episode. Enjoy 99.9%. Yes. Five out of five. Merlin is great. Everyone should watch this just immediately. This is not even joking about this. It's genuinely great. It's... I'm trying to liken it to another show, right? Sometimes myself and Sarah watch the Gilmore Girls together. And in the Gilmore Girls, if you're into it, it's just a really good, enjoyable, wholesome kind of show with the two main characters being pretty assholes. Yeah. Sometimes. It is kind of similar this to Merlin. Is, <laughs> it is kind of similar to Merlin. And this is pretty much the same, except that you've got two dudes instead of a mom and a daughter. And it's just like the writing is pretty good. The acting is pretty good from some of them, mostly the guest actors. <laughs> Um, I think Katie McGrath the, improves over five seasons. She she does improve, but she's one of the few who does. <laughs> um, the the good thing about it is that y- you can just marvel at 
how blind everyone else seems to be to Merlin's magic. And actually to the fact that Morgana is clearly evil because at some point she just literally just like literally sits in the corner as things are going horribly wrong and people are being killed with evil magic and just sits there and smirks evilly. Smiles. (laughs) It's so bad. There are a couple of times where she's like basically eyeballing Arthur and Uther in a, I want to fucking kill you kind it's of like, way. It's like, I thought I had resting like, bitch face, but she just has like active bitch face and it's amazing. She, it's just, it's pretty damn good. And uh, there's a couple of times where she's it's just, she drops little bitchy comments. Yeah. Or like, oh, you wouldn't want anything to happen that might hurt you, Marilyn. Like, oh, Arthur, I I hear people can die in Malise. It's been known to happen. I hope it doesn't happen to you, Arthur. Wink. (laughs) Wink. Like, you definitely are saying this like it's going to happen to him. Yeah, and no one notices. So, yeah, just generally I feel like you can really watch this show and lord it over most of the characters because you have basic observational skills. So that's kind of fun. it's very good. Um, There are a couple of times where... There is no way Marilyn got away without getting caught. Like, I mean, there's at least two points where he's in the middle of battle and just kind of goes, oh, wow, and uh, dudes fall over dead. Yeah. In case you're wondering, you're like, Merlin does basically on. speak parcel tongue whenever he performs magic. He speaks parcel tongue. But, but listen, five out of five, everybody watch it. It's yeah, great. it's so much fun. Highly recommend. I think this is our first five out of five. It's definitely yeah. a first five out of five. And it'll probably remain one of our only five out of fives until we do either your favorite medieval movie or my favorite medieval movie, in which case we might get some five out of fives. Sarah's been Kingdom of Heaven, obviously. Mm. And um, that one's not getting a five being, out of five. <laughs> like, oh, well, okay. What about Gladiator? Do that. I know you love Gladiator. Um, mine's the 13th Warrior. But anyway, Sarah. Would you like to listen or talk to our listeners? Yes, I would love to talk to our listeners. I'd love to listen to our listeners too, if they also have podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell us what your podcasts are. We listen. Uh, you can find us on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and other platforms. Uh, if you like us, at least, please rate and review us. Uh, if you have feedback for us and think there are things that we can improve, we encourage you to send us an email. Our email is media.evilpod at gmail.com. That's M-E-D-I-A dot E-V-A-L-P-O-D at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at MediaEvilPod. You can also find me on the internet at Twitter and Instagram and, I guess, Facebook at Sarah Itch Decker. Um, And Ollie, where else can they find you on the internet? You definitely won't find me at Media Evil Pod on Twitter <laughs> because I don't know how Twitter works. Sarah is the one who does all of that stuff and she's really good at it. Uh, you can find me at my other podcast, Best Acquaintances. We have a podcast group called Best Acquaintances Podcast. Um, basically, myself and my friend Emily, we talk to people we only know from the internet. And yeah, it's good. It's a good time. It's a good time to be had for all. And um, that's where myself and Sarah met. And it's where myself and uh, our other friends pretty much, yeah, pretty much any of the friends, myself and Sarah, 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 have met through the Best Acquaintances group. And it's it's always nice. People are, have interesting stories to tell. And it's it's yeah, fun. So yeah, fun. try and find me there. Or, or you can just 
tried to hit me up on Facebook. I'm I'm generally around at some stage, so if you need to talk about anything, just give me a shout. And he may or may not respond. Oh no, I'll never respond. <laughs> I just like to get that message and go in the bin with that. I'm good. Like like all of those friend requests I haven't accepted yet. Uh, Sarah, what movie are we going to do next week? So uh, our next movie actually might be up on the list of among some of my favorite medieval movies. Actually, I just thought about this. This might actually be a five out of five. We'll see. So mm-hmm. uh, our next movie uh, is A Knight's Tale. Um, Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, and we are going to have a guest. <gasps> We're going to have a guest. We are. Our guest is going to be Don Gildenmeister of Beckett to the Future podcast. And she Ooh. is lovely and a, an experienced and wonderful podcaster. And we look forward to having her join us next week. Yeah, and she's Sarah's life or real life friend. She's not my real life friend. She's just like a Facebook person. But uh, Sarah and her are friends in real life. And that, that's really nice. Yeah, so I am actually going to be recording with her in the same room next week. That I'm going to be visiting her in Chicago, oh. and she has a podcasting setup that is much fancier than mine that we are going to use to record. It does look super fancy, but um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. So everybody, go watch a night sale. Do you know what? Just go watch a night sale anyway. Yeah, just regardless. This is just a shit ton of fun. It's a really good movie. Watch that after right, you've watched Sarah. Five Seasons of Berlin. <laughs> yes, watch Five Seasons of Berlin. Come back to us, then watch a night sale. Sarah, always. A you too. And I will talk to you next and week. I'm looking forward to next week. Bye. Yeah. Bye.